This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. There are certain words that sometimes we use in, in preaching and sermons that, that we might just use a little bit loosely without really thinking about the import of them or the true meaning of those words. And I think one of those words is revival. Uh, preachers are prone to talk about revival. We want to think about that today from a little different perspective but I hope that you'll stay tuned today. You know, the David said in Psalms 85 and verse 6, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? The word revive simply means to bring back to life or to renew life. And so I hope that you'll stay tuned today as we discuss this question, Can these bones live? I want to thank you for tuning in to watch Getting to Know Your Bible today. And we may have some of you that are watching today for the very first time. Please stay tuned today. Now today we'll offer a free Bible correspondence course. And, and I want to emphasize that it is free. And in order that you might know more about the course and how you can receive this course, we'll want to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. To me, one of the most unusual readings in the Bible is in the 37th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. And I'd like to read just a few passages out of this chapter where the, where the Bible says, The hand of the Lord was upon thee, and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live and know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. And then he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. 
This indeed is an unusual reading, and there's more to it than the basis for a song about bones. Ezekiel is carried out in the midst, in a, in a vision, into the midst of a valley that, that was full of dry, bleached, dislocated bones. And so as he's walking in the midst of this valley, the Lord asked him this question, Son of man, can these bones live? And I think Ezekiel showed great wisdom about the answer that he gave. O Lord God, Thou knowest. In other words, God, You know whether or not these bones can live. So he said, I tell you what I want you to do. I want you to prophesy unto these bones or preach unto these bones. And I want you to tell these bones to hear my word. And I want you to tell these bones that I'm going to cause the, the, the flesh to come upon them and the sinew to come upon them and I'm going to cover them with skin. I'm going to put breath in them and they're going to live again. So Ezekiel did just exactly what he was told to do. And, and as he began to prophesy, the bones started coming together bone to his bone. Can you imagine what a scene that must have been in that vision? That these bones coming together and forming skeletons again. And then there was sinew and flesh that came on those bones, and they were covered with skin, but there was no life in them. So the Lord said to him, He said, Now I tell you what, Ezekiel, I want you to talk to these bones again. And I want you to call upon the wind to breathe on these slain, that the breath may enter into them. And he said, And I called upon the wind, and the breath entered into them, and they lived, and they stood up on their feet an exceeding great army. Now someone may say, what in the world is that all about? What does all of that mean, this vision in Ezekiel 37? Well, you know, one of the principles in studying the Bible is always to study context. Sometimes you must read verses prior to what you're now reading or verses after what you're reading in order to put everything into perspective. And all we have to do to understand those ten verses that we just read is to read verse 11. Because in verse 11 he said, These bones are the whole house of Israel. At this time God's people were a broken, despondent people. And God is telling them, I'm going to raise you up again, and I'm going to make of you, once again, a strong army of people. And he did. He brought them back home from captivity. He brought them back as one man. And he brought them back as Israel, not Judah and Israel, but as Israel. And for all practical purposes, that's just really the meaning of that vision. But now when I read that, there, there are some things that it represents to me. And one of the things is represented by this vision of the valley that was filled with these bones it is a world that, that is dead in sin that is living in the valley of dry bones. You know the Bible is dead in sin, isn't it? 1 John 5, 19 says the whole world lies in wickedness. And the world is a wicked world and the world is a sinful world. In Ephesians, the second chapter, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin. 
So they were dead in sin. In verse 12 he says, And that, that at that time you were without Christ, and that you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covets of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. As sad as it is, folks, that's the picture of our world today. People dead in sin, living in the spiritual valley of dry bones. But can these bones live? Yes, indeed, they can live again. And the good news is that you can be alive in Jesus Christ. Paul in Colossians, the third chapter, and verse 4 said, And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall also appear with Him in glory. And He indeed is our life. In John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me but by Him. And so Jesus Christ is the one who provides us life everlasting. To be in Jesus Christ and to know you in Jesus Christ is the most thrilling thing that you will ever entertain in your mind. Have you ever thought about what a person has when they're in Christ? Now we just learned the condition of people who are out of Christ. They're dead in their sins. They're without Christ. They're without hope. They're without God. But it need not be that way. Because people can be in Jesus Christ as opposed to being outside of Christ. Now when you're in Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches you have access to all spiritual blessings. Listen to Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now whatever those spiritual blessings are, we have access to them in Jesus Christ. I take it then that if we're not in Jesus Christ, that we do not have access to those spiritual blessings that are in heavenly places. Why? Because they're located in a certain place. They're located in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, there's salvation. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10. I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. Where's salvation found, Paul? In Christ. Is there salvation outside of Christ? No. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 2 that they were without Christ, and they were without hope and without God. But in Christ, we have salvation from our sins. Now, notice another passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. So if a man is in Christ as opposed to being without Christ, then he is a new creature in Christ and old things. Well, someone says, what are those old things? Your former life. All of the things of your past that have been an offense to God are gone, and now you are a new person in Christ because you have been born again, born of water and the Spirit, John 3, 5, and you're now in Jesus Christ. You're a new creature in Jesus Christ. 
Let me read another passage. This was found in Romans the 8th chapter and verse number 1. Paul said, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So people who are in Christ are not condemned. That just tells me that if I'm without Christ, I'm not in a very good position, spiritually speaking. Now think about all of those blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. We, we, we have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. We have salvation in Jesus Christ. We're new creatures in Jesus Christ. And there's no longer any condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. Well, that brings up a question. How does one get into Christ? And that is answered for us in the third chapter of Galatians, verses 26 and 27. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ did put on Christ. Paul, what do I have in Christ? You have all spiritual blessings. You have salvation. You become a new creature in Christ. There's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. But Paul, tell me please, how does one get into Christ? For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ did put on Christ. So as the one who believes in Jesus, who repents of sin, confesses our faith in Christ and are baptized into Christ, we have access to those blessings that he talks about in those passages of Scripture. And now we are no longer dead in our sins. But not only does this vision of dry bones re remind me of a person out of Christ, it kind of reminds me of a nation that's turned its back upon God. You know, David in Psalms chapter 33 and verse 12 said, Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. Now think about that verse again. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. But what about the nation who's turned its back upon God? In Psalms chapter 9 and verse 17, there the Bible says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Our nation needs to turn back to God. When you reject God, and you reject His Word, it plunges one into darkness. In Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20, the Bible says to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. When people reject the Bible, a nation rejects the Bible, people by the masses turn their backs upon God and His word, it plunges one into moral and spiritual darkness. And it will result in the destruction of an entire nation of people. Solomon in Proverbs 14, 34 said, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And hence, there are nations today that are in the spiritual valley of dry bones. But can those bones live? Yes, indeed they can live if we will turn our attention to God once again and begin to respect God, to obey God, to fear God, and to keep His commandments. That indeed 
is a way that we can turn a nation around morally and spiritually. But when I read this story, this vision of dry bones, it reminds me of a congregation of the Lord's people that need to have an old-fashioned, spirit-filled, Bible-centered revival. You say, well, Brother Lambert, we, we, we don't really need a revival where we are. Are you sure about that? Let me tell you how you start a revival in a, in a congregation of God's people. And I'm certain we have some that are members of the Church of Christ now that are watching right now. And I want to tell you how to go home and start a revival. You get a piece of chalk and you draw a circle around yourself. And, and then you say, God, I want you to start a revival within this circle beginning with me. You see, we need a personal revival. The church today needs reviving. A church that's stopped reading the Bible and studying the Bible needs a revival. Would you like to be the strongest Christian there is in all the world? I'm going to give you the formula for that. There's a way to be a strong Christian. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. I, I believe most passages, not all of them I suppose, but so, so many of the passages in the Bible have key words in them. I believe there's a key word in that passage. And the key word is desire. You see, we need to have a desire for the sincere milk of the Word of God. Jesus said, Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You see, we need to study the Bible. And when we have stopped studying it, that's when we need reviving. When I was a student in college, our, our psychology class went on a field trip. And we went to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and we visited two institutions there for people who were mentally challenged. Some of them were physically challenged, but most of them mentally challenged. And that was a very sobering trip for me. And I remember the last building we went to, and we entered a room, and alongside the walls in that room on either side, there were little boys sitting down next to the wall, lining the wall on either side. They all had on straight jackets. And as we walked through that room, they would cry out, Mama, Daddy, Mama, Daddy. You see, that's the reason they had been restrained. They would have tried to grab a hold of us or try to go with us. And that just tore, tore my heart up. And then we went into a small room, the last place we saw. There were cribs in that room. And in the last thing that we saw, there was one little crib. And there was a human form in that crib about this long. And the legs on that child were turned backwards. Its arms were turned backwards. 
And the guide said, this child is nine years old. It does, know, does not know daylight from dark. It does not know who it is or where it is. And I, I, that was the most pitiful sight I've ever seen in all my life. We, we got on the bus to ride back to the campus. And, and I just, that just, that was going over and over in my mind about that little child. But I began to think about this. This child never developed. It never grew. And I got to thinking, when we starve our souls, but by failing to feed our souls on the pure milk of God's Word, how stunted we must look to God. When we stop reading the Bible and studying the Bible, good people, we need a revival. And we need a revival when we've let down the bar to the world. We're living like the world. I remember reading a book a number of years ago when I was in college. And there was a chapter in that book on the dangers facing the church. And one of those was the world. It's still a danger, isn't it? You know, a ship is okay so long as that ship is in the water. But the ship is in trouble when the water gets in the ship. And we're okay so long as we're in the world and not of the world. But when the world gets in us, then we're in trouble. Someone has said that the world is not becoming more churchy, but the church is becoming more worldly. I know this, that John wrote in 1 John 2, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And so we're not to love, have an inordinate love for the world. Try to conform to the world, to dress like the world, talk like the world, have the same habits of the world. We're to be different people. We're to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, which makes us sometimes to other people an oddity in the world. But when, we, when we're like the world, rather we need a revival. We need a revival. We need a revival when we lost the art of loving one another. How do people know you're a Christian? You say, well, Brother Lambert, I'm, I'm a member of the Church of Christ. And, and you know, Brother Lambert, we don't use instruments of music in our worship. I didn't ask you how you worship. I said, how do people know you're a Christian? Well, I said, now, Brother Lambert, you know, uh, I go to the Church of Christ. We have the Lord's Supper every Sunday. I didn't ask you what you did in your worship. I asked, how do people know you're a Christian? This is how Jesus said they'll know you're a Christian. By this shall all men know. You're my disciples if you have love one for another. Folks, we, when we've lost the art of loving one another, we need a revival. Hebrews 13 and 1 says, Let brotherly love continue. Don't ever let it stop. We're to love one another with a pure heart fervently. 1 Peter 1, 22. Love suffers long in its kind. Love envies not, love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. 
does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not its own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. Love never fails. Never fails. It never has failed, and it never will fail. And what our world needs is love. Love. It's all about loving one another. But then this vision that we've studied about today reminds me of, if in fact that is not an early predictor of, the future resurrection. There's going to be one. In John 5, 28, Jesus said, The hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth. They that have done good to the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. There's going to be a resurrection day. Country graveyards will look like a rough plowed field in the springtime. Soldiers that have been slain or forgotten on a thousand battlefields will be raised up on that day. What a day that's going to be. And on the resurrection morning, there are some things that will be important. Number one, were you in Christ? Number two, did you live a faithful, dedicated life for Jesus? Where are you today in the sight of God? If you're not a Christian, may I urge you to become one, and we can help you please get in touch with us. I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, I want to give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. You may not know where it's located, so if you're not certain, contact us and we will find it for you. We will help you. We will assist you. But please take this as a personal invitation to visit the church in your community. Also right now, pick up the telephone and call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. That's a toll-free number. It's not going to cost you to call. Please do that right now. Or if you prefer, you can take it online. There are many people that are doing that as well. It doesn't matter whether you take it by mail or you take it online. Please avail yourself of the opportunity of getting to know your Bible. That's the purpose of this telecast. I want to thank you for watching today. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580.
or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.